film runs through our veins and continuously makes us interact with it. I'm your host, Edward Frumpkin, and this is Real Print. In this episode, contributor Sean Naughton and I analyze the 94th Academy Awards nominees. You'll then hear my review of High Life, Rowan Mutt's recommendation, and why my current appreciation of the Oscars is not the same as when I was younger. Some portions are recorded on Zoom, so bear that in mind when you hear the audio and enjoy the show. Hi, Sean. Thank you for coming to a special episode of just dedicating a breakdown of uh, all the nominees that are going to be happen at the Oscars in late March. Hey, Eddie. Yeah, happy to talk about it. Always love talking Oscars. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like before, we're going to break down to the major awards. We want to give a special shout out to some of the milestones and films that have made it to the technical categories, but unfortunately didn't make it to the major cut with the writing, directing, acting, and best type of movie awards. So I just want to start off with Jane Campion's Power of the Dog having the most nominations this year with 12, and it's the first film directed by a female to have more than 10 Oscar nominees, as well as her being the first um, female director with two nominations. Yeah, very deserving. Mm-hmm. A great illustrious career after um, Sweetie, An Angel at the Table, I think it's called, like a lot of her earlier works before. She got her breakthrough with the piano. Mm-hmm. But really excited to see how she shows different intuitions Oh, yeah, her early career is really interesting because Sweetie is a very like niche indie film, and then she quickly becomes sort of like prestige director. <laughs> yeah, Flea has been the first film to be nominated for Best Animated Feature, Best International Feature, and Best Documentary Feature. And I like saying it that it's an, an accomplishment of the triple feat, but when I told my brother about it, he says, you need to tell people what it is. And you can't just start off saying triple feet unless there's a second <laughs> movie with such milestones. Yeah. I, I also, another deserving one. I liked Flea a lot. Um, I, I, I like that I got all the nominations. To be fair, though, I don't know if I would have it winning any of the categories. <laughs> yeah. but They're just I really hope, stacked categories. Yeah. But I do hope it's a neck and neck tie between Summer Soul and Flea for Best Doc. But mm-hmm. We will have a harder chance at the other awards, but in my opinion, at least. And uh, Kenneth Branagh became the first individual to be nominated for seven different categories. Something that Walt Disney never done with his 50 plus nominations. And unfortunately, there's no specific breakdown of what Alfred Newman or John Williams could do with their scores. So, <laughs> looking for Branagh. Yeah, very, uh, I liked Belfast a decent amount too, yeah, so um, I think it's very very nice for him to get that, especially on something so personal for him. It's very tremendous of how he has done so many facets in both in front of him, behind the camera, when 
he was doing the Shakespeare adaptations, or even at times directing films that he did not write, such as Thor and Cinderella. Like it's, mm-hmm. it has a lot of interest and definitely may get an, nominated for an eighth category in the near future. Yeah, same with his uh, his Agatha Christie ones, too. He does you don't he doesn't write those, but he's got a uh, prolific. Uh, career actually after just starting in Shakespeare <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah Steven Spielberg's West Side Story became the second adaptation of the same source material for previous best picture winner to be nominated for the same award after um, the two editions of Mutiny on the Bounty the 30s one with Clark Gable and Charles Lofton and the early 60s one with Martin Brando so it's crazy to see an almost exact same story being nominated for the same award twice. Yeah, I, I, I'm sounding like a broken record, but I mean, I love West Side Story. And the fact that Spielberg now has uh, been nominated in six different decades, that's just a... I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Um, I don't want to say that some directors should retire not, but we know that <laughs> He is just going to keep on going. Keep on chugging. I'm fine with the old guard sticking around a little longer, yeah. Um, yeah, and we will talk about more with international features, but Drive My Car is the first Japanese film to be nominated for both picture and director, and Hamaguchi, the third Japanese director, after Akira Kurosawa with Ran, and the director of Woman of the Dunes, I Wish That know the person's name of that film but i didn't remember was nominated for best director so mm-hmm. like just impressive with what the international films have done this year more like there were there are four with multiple nominations which is rare yeah as most of the time they get a nomination it'll be just one film like with screenplay or even could be nominated for directing pick but I was hoping that there could be more international nominees in the acting and maybe some of the technical categories outside of established ones like Penelope Cruz. Like it would have been a good year to see Renata Renas of The Worst Person in the World. She was nominated for a BAFTA for Best Actress. I, I think that she was better than Jessica mm-hmm. Chastain this year. I haven't seen Jessica Chastain's performance, to be honest, um, but it is nice to see that sort of it wasn't just like a one off with Parasite winning um, all the awards like they're they're spreading the wealth a little better. And I know they they had a couple of years before you had sort of um, I forget his name, but the director of Cold War, um, the same year as Roma Pavel was getting all the like Pavel Polakowski or something yeah, yeah like Polish director but I'm sorry. so there, there's been more more and more years where more than one international feature gets more nods but this this year is definitely a very strong step in the right direction yeah but also it is rare to see people to be nominated the same character in the same movie like Olivia Coleman and Jesse Buckley both for The Lost Daughter mm-hmm. as well as um, even though it's not the same year, lots of different remakes and original version with Rita Moreno's The 61 West Side Story and Ariana DeBose uh, for this 2021 West Side Story. Yeah, I think both supporting actor categories were 
really stacked this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as well as recognizing like some performers of marginalized communities, such as Kristen Stewart and Ariana DeBose being two openly LGBTQ plus actors to be nominated the same year, as well as Troy Kotzer, the first deaf male actor to be nominated for supporting actor in Dakota after his co-star Mari Matlin won 35 years ago for Children of a Lesser God. Yeah, I, I think he was fantastic in Coda. I think, honestly, you could have nominated any of them in Coda. Um, it's another one of those great ensemble pieces. Yeah, I do wish that the Oscars could have a Best Ensemble Award like they do at the Spirit Award, Independent Spirit Awards and at sag after because like some movies are just depends like the entire ensemble, not just the main total character. Like in a Marvel movie, there will definitely be with the star attraction, but I don't know if it will be that consistent with some people saying Spider-Man No Way Home should be nominated. Like I know John Watts has a strong case. Like I, I support his case, but I have to be realistic with what the Academy thinks sometimes when they nominate people. Yeah, I mean, it's you got a blockbuster in there with Dune, so it's not like the general audiences are underrepresented. <laughs> yeah, but, and also, like, more of, like, a, a personal studio milestone for MGM, having their first fully produced, marketed, and distributed film to be nominated for Best Picture since 1988's Rain Man with their licorice pizza. Yeah. And as well as seeing couples being nominated in the same year with Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem, as well as the engaged Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Clemens. I was hoping for a third one this year between <laughs> Beyonce, like what she is nominated for original song for King Richard, and one of the biggest notes for best original song, Guns Go Bang from The Harder They Fall with Jay-Z director James Samuel and Kid Cudi. Mm -hmm. I was really hoping for that Jay-Z versus Beyonce one. Like, it's very rare that they compete the same um, categories at the Grammys, like maybe one or twice mm -hmm. with the general song or RZ or, or record of the year. Don't call me on that, but... Yeah, it's funny to think that in Lin-Manuel's Lin uh, road to get, the, get an EGOT, now he's got to go through... <laughs> Beyonce and Billie Eilish for his and Van Morrison as his sort of final bosses <laughs> like those are great milestones and just want to recognize some films that have gotten some special recognition the the technical categories like it's always a fun one with visual effects because since 2010 or 2009 when they expanded the nominees from three to five it's always unpredictable because of the innovations of CGI and deepfake. So. Yeah, that's uh, one category where I, I really like that they expanded it, but this year I, I got to disagree <laughs> with who they picked. Okay, as, in, as many except Dune and No Time to Die is their sole nomination with Spider-Man No Way Home, Shane Shine, The Legend of the Ten Rings, and Free Guy. So, like, there were some movies this year that felt more of a streaming 
at home movie than uh, like a theatrical experience. I like I think Free Guy due to the delays and being on Disney Plus. Even as Don't Look Up, like I was surprised with Don't Look Up, which I can get into later in this, but it's just weird to see films that are tended more for a theater or a streaming service to like get to this mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, Free Guy was actually one that I didn't have a problem with. It was more uh, Spider-Man, I think, should have been swapped out for Eternals or Matrix or Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. I think I that, that I, I think Eternals actually was the best VFX wise of the three Marvel movies. Yeah, I know that you have spoken to me before about Eternals not being there as well as The Matrix being one of your top 10 films of last year. I do love The Matrix. I'd love to, <laughs> so, you know, sneak it in screenplay or <laughs> something too. Yeah. And- but. For best film editing, Tick Tick Boom is the sole non best picture nominee. And I was surprised that out of the non best picture nominees, it was Tick Tick Boom at first before I realized the different structures that the film had with the play itself that Jonathan Larson had with Caressa and Roger, as well as the actual live action story and some of the documentary bookings that I did not like. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah that was a surprise too <laughs> I, I would think and i think uh with belfast missing that category then that kind of i feel like power of the dog kind of runs away with best picture then <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah as well as i think i think being more of the action films like the past winner bullet as well as past nominees um baby driver and more in like in a suspenseful, tense way with the girl with the dragon tattoo, David Fincher version. And uh, that I was expecting more with Harder They Fall or maybe a Marvel movie. Who knows? Like I know that The Force Awakens was not for best film editing. Anything could happen with that award. And with best costume design, um, Cyrano and Corella are the only ones that are not nominated for Best Picture or a major award to get recognized. Yeah, I think makeup and hairstyle is usually a good one to um, nominate a bunch of films there. So I'm actually glad. I think Corella was the one in the film about a fashion competition. Definitely deserved that one. Um, but a lot of the, the, the technical ones, I, I, I thought West Side Story could have snuck in a couple more of them, even, even though it got a good bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. with the West Side Story, we always have a lot of Janice Kaminsky's, Steven Spielberg's main DPs, like the last 20 years. And also that I'm sometimes wish that with costume design could be more, like as I discussed like later on with cinematography, more for the characters and the universes than the time period, though they, it's hard to condobulate the two. But it is interesting to see Cyrano there. Like, even though I was hoping for Peter Dinklage to get nominated for Best Actor, just because like, I think it's a great first time to be nominated at his age now than later on. Like, I don't know how many lead roles he will have later on. Like, 
in the future level for an Oscar audience. Yeah, I agree. That was nice to see. I, I haven't seen Cyrano yet, but um, I'm very much looking forward to <laughs> Peter Dinklage in that. And uh, just like a general Joe Wright fan, I feel like he usually does in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a perfect pan. <laughs> um, for best cinematography, is Tragedy Macbeth the only non-best picture nominee to be there with the great Bruno Delbano who did Inside Lynn Davis, Darkest Hour, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, and Miller. Like he is great at showing different feelings with the on-screen effect. That's what I would enjoy from his cinematography works. Yeah, I actually just rewatched uh, Half Blood Prince Harry Potter a couple of days ago, and I was taken aback with how how well shot it was, especially compared to um, like four and five are a little are a little less dynamic. And but he does Del, Bruno Delmonel does a really great job with this sort of monochromatic color palette which is probably why he loved working in this sort of German expressionist the evocative palette that um, Joel Cohen wanted for Tragedy Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Um, for best makeup hairstyling while doing the only best picture nominee there there was Cruella Eyes of Tammy Faye and sole nominees for this award Coming to America and House of Gucci, <laughs> like once when the, they, the person who did Jared Leto's face, <laughs> yep, that's the unrecognizable factor. They like, like doing rather, that, yeah. They I'd like rather to. have that really Scott movie than The Last Duel, <laughs> like that <laughs> crazy hair with Ben <laughs> I mean, they did it with uh, Bombshell, right? They did it. <laughs> when they nominated, or I, I don't remember for one, it might have with John Lithgow <laughs> as Jowls and mm-hmm. yeah. Darkest Hour is similar. They just like doing those prosthetics and makeup mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also want to just give my quick shout out for the Cinematography Award with Ari Wagner, who did Zola earlier this year and the past Lady Macbeth. Um, she is the second woman to be nominated for um, best cinematography, and get, I want to give an, an honorable mention to Claire Michon, who did Spencer and uh, Petit Maman, and Helene Louvard, the DP of The Lost Daughter. Like, I wish that both these films were more with Spencer due to um, the feelings with the cellular film stock to be nominated for cinematography. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a great batch of cinematography a lot of a lot of great you could have thrown in like green knight in there too um a lot of great uh cinematography work this year mm-hmm. yeah like green knight was shut out but um yeah with uh best sound no time to die with it's the only soul non-best picture nominee for the award with all the other best picture nominees there and Similar with production design, but Tragedy of Macbeth as the sole non-best picture nominee. And we spoke earlier about the song with Billy Eilish, Van Morrison, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Beyonce, Nose Carter, and the long-nominated Diane Warren. Like, even if it's a movie that no one watches, she still will have powerful lyrics. 
She's and... still sneaking a nomination there. She's, <laughs> yeah, because I was, uh, I, I, she's definitely done this before where she just in a movie that no one's ever heard of, she'll sneak out a nomination. I think she's at like 13 nominations now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but good batch of uh songs, yeah. I like, I, I like that even with we don't talk about Bruno exploding, I think Gosuru Gitas is was would have been the right pick to to submit yeah and disney did not even submit we don't talk about bruno for best original song mm-hmm. and best original score um for best picture nominees and carol mothers of upper billy place carol mothers was a terrific score i was really happy to see that get in there mm-hmm. yeah like i do love seeing hans zimmer with doom nicholas bertel is one of the best composers playing this current day right now with Moonlight, Secession, mm-hmm. and the Underground Railroad, and other Adam McKay films. And yeah, I think he'd be he'd be my winner. Um, I think Don't Look Up's a great score, and I might be the only one who thinks this, but I think I like Hans Zimmer's No Time to Die score better than Dune. <laughs> Both great scores. As well as first honorary mention of Johnny Greenwood, who not only did Barely Blood, I love the score with Carl Dagen, former guitarist of Radiohead. Mm-hmm. Great. Got a shout out. Uh, you were never really here. Terrific Johnny Greenwood score too. Lynn, Lynn Ramsey movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll look at you were never really here soon. And for just honorable mentions in the shorts, um, there is The Long Goodbye, co-written with Riz Ahmed, who stars and directed by and co-written by Anil Karya, which is about an alt-right march coming to Riz's family in the film. He has to stand up against them. Like, I need to really see it. And as well as Please Hold, directed by Katie Davila, co-written by her and Len Manette, as Katie Davila just won the Walt Salt Screenwriting Award at Sundance for writing the feature-length adaptation of Emergency, which she also wrote the short version as well. And she just wanted to spread love to her as with, and best MA short, like there are some, there's one that's on Netflix called Robin Robin, about Robin birds and being raised by a family of mice with the voices from Gillian Anderson and Richard E. Grant, and that it's from Ardman Productions, which nobody did Chicken Run. So. Yeah, I of the I've, that's the only animated short I've seen. Surprised us again didn't get in there, um, but I loved Robin Robin. Um, I want to see the other ones. I always like checking out the other shorts. I haven't seen any other ones yet, but I love Ardman always. The Wallace and Gromit shorts are hold very near and dear to me, <laughs> very nostalgic, and Robin Robin is just a delight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. For best documentary short subject, there was When We Were Bullies that played at Sundance about the director going to a fifth grade teacher to reflect on a bullying incident. And the Queen of Basketball from Ben Proudfoot, who was nominated last year for a concerto as a conversation as the Queen of Basketball is about who played for Delta State University at the but that was before the school was part of the NCAA D2. So it was in the association 
for the intercollegiate athletics for women, but due to like the level that she was at, you know, she got these amazing accomplishments, but it was a D2 school and before there was a WNBA. So it's unfortunate that you, you don't hear a lot about her, but I'm happy that Ben and Breakwater Studios um, sh- showcase put a spotlight on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just saying, I know I haven't, I like, I haven't checked out any of the live action or documentary shorts, um, but I will definitely get to all of them. I love, you know, checking them out. Probably go even more with like the short list. I'll check more than that. Yeah, I really do wish we can put more attention on short stories because many people who start out in the industry don't have uh, the approach to do feature after feature like a Spielberg or Denny Villeneuve. Like, people have to do shorts. Like, even Mike Mills, he does change from feature to shorts. So just want to get that there. Today's review, High Life. I first heard of High Life when it was released at the end of 2018. It got to play at TIFF and New York Film Festival before its A24 theatrical release. I had never seen it until two days ago due to my hesitations of horror films as depicted in the film's trailer and the cliches of the limited range of the sci-fi genre. However, I love Claire Denise's ways of showing fragility and gentleness upon humans in her movies such as 35 Shots of Rome and Robert Pattinson in anything outside of the Twilight series and Remember Me. But it was something just under my radar. I never prioritized seeing it until our guest Rowan suggested it to me. For those who haven't seen it, it's a non-linear narrative about Monte, the protagonist among a group of criminals serving death sentences, being sent on a mission in space to extract alternative energy from a black hole. They partake in some science experiments from Dr. Dibbs, who's weirdly interested in fucking them through a sci-fi box even though fellow prisoners are not allowed to fornicate with each other. It features Pacifist Monte, Oscar winner Julia Binoche as Dr. Dibbs, and Mia Goth and Grammy winner Andre 3000 Benjamin as fellow prisoners Boys and Cherney, respectively. Here's my spoiler-free review. It's three and a half out of five stars. This movie's not an easy film to watch. The film is non-linear. How it transitions from the present to the past or present to the future is not as visually or easily distinguished compared to past films such as Citizen Kane's Pulp Fiction or Memento. Due to the lack of my past training in visual distinctions of transition time periods, the film is confusing to me. At times I had to read the Wikipedia page summary of the film to know where the hell I was at during the movie. At times, I wish the film could be as chronological as possible to see the backstories that got the characters to be who they are, instead of the knee unveiling their layers after their introductions. However, I enjoy seeing how Denis breaks some quote-unquote rules of the genre where she focuses on the characters' emotions and psyches. The film has deep themes of power and who's in control sexually and literally. It's also a sad-like movie where the film takes a year to Dark Avenues with its low-key lighting and on this score from her longtime collaborator Tinder Sticks, and Denise shows how tragic one life can be. 
Despite the challenging structure, I like seeing the character arcs and performances from his ensemble. All the aforementioned positive aspects make Claire Denis one of the top working art house directors with her precise decision making in principal photography and in its execution, she is one of the hardest working directors in the art house realm, even if she is not the most respected filmmaker as Rowan stated. I can't wait to see her earlier works and both sides of the blade or the weird fire titled in the US soon, and that's my take. And now we'll go over the breakdown of the major writing, other features, performances, and the best director. So with best documentary feature, Ascension from Jessica Kingdom, Attica, co-directed by Stanley Nelson, Tracy A. Curry, Flea, directed by Jones Perez Moosen, Summer of Soul, directed by Amir Questlove Thompson, and the ones that a first-time reader may not heard of is Riding with Fire by Rintu Thomas and Shushmit Ghosh. And like there was just some other great films that were out there, like The Rescue or Procession, where it was a little too quote unquote experimental for the the voters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was telling you this yesterday. That is just, it was a, it's a nice, nice crop of, of picks they had. A, it's really, they seem to be avoiding the ones I had seen or heard of because that was um, like Procession, like Velvet Underground in the same breath, Fayadai. Uh, but very excited to check out the ones that they did pick. Yeah, like the Oscars have a problem historically with documentaries ever since. Even before the 90s that got its attention when Paris is Burning from or Who Dreams was not nominated as Who Dreams didn't even make it like the first 20 minute mark that voters have to have. And Steve James once said that I'm more close to be nominated for best picture than documentary feature. And that they have a problem with how they see reenactments as stories we tell and Dick Johnson is Dead were really strong candidates in their respective years, but were shut out when they were not nominated. And I really thought The Rescue would be the first of these films with recreations to be nominated for Best Doc as The Rescue directors, Jimmy Chin and Chiva Sarheli were Oscar winners coming to this film after Free Solo and that they received a lot of guild support in different nominations within several guilds, whether it's producers or directors, best picture, as well as receiving a lot of audience awards at several festivals like Toronto and the Camden International Film Fest. But that recognition did not necessarily convince Oscar voters enough. But at times, it's like if I'm a maker of these type of movies, a backhanded compliment saying, look, we see you when we put you in the final 15, but you didn't nominate me in the end. I don't want to, I'm not accusing of how much they consider these type of movies, but 
we don't get to realize it, and it reinforces a standard quote-unquote definition of a documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't actually aware of that until you told me about it yesterday, so, but like I like <laughs> I'll bring up uh, Tower, which is another movie that I, I told to you that uh, recreates the um, school shooting in University of Texas down from the 60s, um, which seemed to be ignored by the Oscars. I don't know the whole scenario around it, but it does seem like a pattern <laughs> of ignoring the recreation documentaries, even if they're included in the shortlist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I just want to say with Ascension, it's about how capitalism functions in China within the stores and very low paid labor that Keenan explores as it continues with her signature style that she does with some of her shorts are available on Vimeo with a lot of static shots with no camera movement unless it is like a digital zoom one point and I really enjoy the aesthetics that she had in that movie. With Ascension, it was executive produced by MTV. Whoever thought that MTV would make documentaries outside of those music videos or even these indie films with Election and Better Luck Tomorrow? Yeah, the video killed the radio star and now they're <laughs> killing the rest of the competition in documentaries. <laughs> Um, very surprising to see MTV produce things sneak in there, but um, I haven't seen Ascension. I have heard they're great, great things, so very excited to check it out. And that that MTV was reshaped by former HBO documentary head Sheila Nevins, where most of the noble HBO docs around her time included stuff without skinny like Scientology and uh, Spike Lee's When the Levees Broke. And she shaped HBO what it was with documentaries before there was dramas there with Oz and Sopranos. And then, unfortunately, due to the ageism, sexism that she faced at HBO, luckily MTV reached her out to restart its documentary films program. And... It got shortlisted last year with the COVID doc 76 days and won an Emmy for it. And they also did Sabaya that played at Sundance and True Falls and Ascension that had its world premiere at Tribeca and getting all the way to its first nomination since election, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, great to see the sort of building up of their documentary sort of repertoire and she's still kicking it at 82 years young so we know that (laughs) that there will be more mtv docs that she'll give great strategy advices to the director so with summer stone i've never thought i would say that in my life that amir questlove thompson is an oscar nominated director (laughs) the oscar host kind of to the pop the pipeline to nominated best documentary (laughs) Uh. yeah and with rhyme with fire like even though i have not seen that one it's going to be on pbs on march 28th as this movie is about 
the only delete run newspaper by women in India. And it has been says the most inspiring journalism movie maybe ever from the Washington Post. And it played at a lot of festivals from Sundance to Black Star Film Fest, Hot Dog, and Doc NYC. But because it was mainly the fest circuit and then released in theaters till very end of the year with low level music box films of Ida and Maru, but it didn't get much of a viewership or marketing campaign, had a strong word of mouth as it happens sometimes with Last Men in Aleppo from Grasshopper Films, that was a Sundance winning film, and Hale County, where it has strong words and one of the most experimental films we ever nominated ever. Like I think that even if you don't have the biggest budget for queer consideration campaigns, just that big power of social media will have that power in getting nominated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's nice to see the sort of smaller distributors still being able to get attention. Um, and we'll probably bring it up later, but, you know, Janice Films with Drive My Car is a similar situation, the like least likely tiny distributor, maybe not tiny, but to get four Oscar nominations. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed all these films with ACA. Like, I just don't know if it's the best Stanley Nelson film that I've seen. Like, I love his Freedom Riders doc. Tell them we are rising about HBCUs. Miles Davis wrote the pool. But ACA feels more in the middle. It's not, it's a very conventional film like that can please Oscar Bowers. And most of his films were for television audiences on PBS. So because of his amount of films that have not gone to be seen in many theaters or the qualifications to be nominated for an Oscar, this is why. He's getting recognized very late in the game, though he's such an established director of different stories of American history that are known or not as known. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking out Attica um, and also I other Stanley Nelson films that I haven't seen, um, but a great reason to start checking them out. And same with Writing with Fire. I love the good story about journalism i i really liked uh collective from last year mm -hmm. which, which was another um didn't sneak in there that was kind of more of a favorite but yeah. always a great subject matter yeah with best international feature um we discussed some of it but we'll reiterate with drama car flea hand of god from the great beauties paolo sorrentino lunana a yak in the classroom from Bhutan, okay, and the worst person in the world from Joaquin Trier, and I think it was a great year of recognizing the best, even though Memoir didn't make the shortlist, and for some reason, Spain picking the great boss with Javier over his wife, Penelope, <laughs> and mothers, and Lamb was shortlisted as well like that cons hit with Numi Rappes, but mm -hmm. just amazing to see the ones that are discussed to be nominated, even if 
countries can have that fucking dilemma with that one country per rule where like I just hope that people can explore other films of those countries, not just the directors that are nominated and just explore more imagery instead of just focusing on dialogue. And film is not about words, it's about the people's actions and is a visual medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the this year candidates kind of, uh, or I guess more of a short list, but it, it highlights kind of the effects of country only being able to submit one film. Uh, you have Spain doing that. You have France having to choose between Happening and Titan and Petite Maman. Um, but I was just, I was heartbroken that Asghar Farhadi didn't get in there um, with the hero. That was one of my favorite films of the year. And I think it's one of his best films too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do also want to say with best animated feature film, we have uh, three Disney movies, Luca, Ryan the Last Dragon, Kanto, and the Mitchells versus the Machines. Like the Mitchells versus the Machines is the one that I really hope that it wins due to just about how a family gets together during an actual physical crisis and an internal crisis. And it's very funny. I love the cast with Dave McBride, Abby Jacobson, and Maya Rudolph, and Mike Rihanna, who's in a movie is produced by Phil Lauren Chris Miller of Lego Movies and the Jump Street movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know who I'd knock out of the nominees. I think this was the only category that didn't have even the slightest surprise for me. It was very much the top five that were locks all season. Um, I would have loved to see Memorial Hosoda's Bell get in there. Um, just mm-hmm. something other than three Disney films, but yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just enjoy seeing how these films with animation it's unfortunate that some people think that those are all kid movies except for Flea which I think could still be a kid movie because you still see kids in that movie but they all can speak to a a larger message about family or even life that you don't that you can be older than a kid and I hope people can view animation just as a medium, not necessarily as something for little kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's still got a little ways to go. Even however many years after Beauty and the Beast got a Best Picture nomination, I think there's still animation needs to be seen more as a art form than just a kid genre. Now with Best Original Screenplay, nominees are Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Liquor's Pizza, and The Worst Person in the World. I, I think all those films are greatly written. And well, with Don't Look Up, I don't know, with the mental health aspect, I don't like how Melanie Linsky came to Leonardo's and Kate's room and had these pills as a punchline. That's something that I was not a fan with Don't Look Up, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like you could swap out Don't Look Up for Parallel Mothers or 
uh, easy Sorkin <laughs> with being the Ricardos probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, great batch. I feel like I, I love that worst person in the world got in there. Um, Licorice Pizza, I think, is one of all time with Harrison's best. <laughs> I just saw it again for the second time a couple of days ago. Um, it was a great, just sort of like reminiscent of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from a few years ago, just like a little hangout movie, a little anecdotal adventure <laughs> through San Bernardino or San Fernando Valley. Hmm. All right. I have not seen Licorice Pizza, but I'll try to do that soon. With best adapted screenplay, um, Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and Power of the Dog. Like I'm happy to see some of the best picture nominees to that are not nominated for best director that are in this list. Like, well, even though Ronaldo Marcus Green should have been nominated, but I'm happy that a screenplay got recognized and don't look up as well same with sean heater with coda and for dune yeah great to see maggie gyllenhaal i thought she was a great job adapting um the fronte novel for lost daughter i would have loved to see tony kushner get it get it adapted um for west side story i really think that a lot of the updates there's a lot of bold choices that he made with, with that with spielberg um but i guess Drive My Car took West Side Story spot, and I'm that's a fine trade, I guess. Uh, I'm willing to make that deal, maybe bump out Dune and replace it with West Side Story for me. But I mean, it's really flip a coin. <laughs> I was a little upset that Come On, Come On didn't get on Best Original Screenplay. Like, I think that it should have been there. And for Adapted Screenplay, Shiva Baby, as those two films. Well, come on, come on, A24, I don't know which films they focus on the most, but with come on, come on, I really love the humanistic side, which I thought that due to its strong reviews and acclaim from the critics, like that's how Mills got the 20th century woman nom, and I thought it would be the same here. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I just want to say, yeah, I like that in past years it seemed like the screenplay ones were screenplay categories were a way to get sort of a sole nomination for a non-best picture film or something with like knives out um or lost daughter this year i would have loved to see like a film that was completely ignored like a french dispatch or something uh west west anderson get in there in screenplay or um i already said the matrix earlier i'll stop gushing about it <laughs> also passing with Rebecca Hall, that was that would have been a great pick, yeah. A great, a sad snub, and also Shiva Baby that I mentioned earlier with passing. I really love the visual adaptations, and with Rebecca, had to fight so many different producers and bows before sticking with Forrest Whitaker, Neil Yang's um, significant productions, and that with Shiva Baby, it was a long shot as it was an adaptation of Emma Silkman's thesis short the same name that played at South By prior to its in-person cancel 2020 feature premiere. But with the feature length, it does a lot more of adding more of the family dynamics and 
even showing um, the bounds of queer people with relationships as as Danielle doesn't have to balance or question most of the time the movie about her bisexuality, having to not see biracial, and also with the short, you could only focus just five, three people, or maybe five, mm -hmm. as we don't see much of the family members or the crazy strangers that Danielle has known a while. So I was really hoping she would maybe could possibly get that long shot adapted screenplay nom, but it is what it is. I'm fine with all those five. <laughs> but now let's go to the supporting actors. Um, for supporting actor, Karen Hines for Belfast, Joy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons and Cody Spivakee for Power of the Dog, and J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos. Just that I'm just surprised at being the Ricardos, like having great performances, but not having a great other aspects with. Yeah, really um, having being the Ricardos overperform in the acting categories and then not get picture or screenplay. Um, it's a very interesting development. <laughs> but I mean, I won't knock J.K. Simmons at all. Of course, he's a fantastic actor. I love his voice work and everything. Um, but it's it could have gone to someone someone younger that would have it was could have been a more you know monumental moment for them like a Mike Feist in West Side Story, or um, not Jared Leto in House of Gucci, but <laughs> someone younger. Yeah, but I was also hoping for Jamie Dornan for Belfast. Like I thought Belfast would have the two supporting actor nominees. As for people who don't know, Belfast literally ran a campaign for their main child star Jody Hill to be nominated for best actor while all the other main adult actors will be nominated supporting cast like I respect for story purpose but for marketing campaign I would rather have Jamie Dornan to be best actor and Katriana Bayoff as best actress but mm -hmm. yeah I feel like Katrina Belf might have actually had a better chance if she was best actress. Um, we'll get to supporting actress, but I do want to throw out Jeffrey Wright in French Dispatch also. Not a young actor, but probably my favorite supporting performance of the year. Mm -hmm. Or um, another one, sorry, I'm just going to sneak it in there, is Ben Affleck in The Last Duel, nominated for the Razzie. <laughs> probably should have been, uh, maybe... It, I don't know who I'd knock out for, for Oscar with all the other ones I've been pitching also too, but definitely not deserving of a Razzie. <laughs> a incredibly fun performance. Okay. With Best Supporting Actress, we have Jessie Buckley of The Lost Daughter. I love her seeing the trailer for Men, even though like it's going to be a creepy film if you're experiencing this, if you're a female... It's going to be different than how men would see this movie, but I do want to give a shout out for that trailer. Mm -hmm. Ariana DeBell's for West Side Story, Nita, Judy Dench in Belfast, Kirsten Dunst, Power of the Dog, and Andre New Ellis for King Richard. And when I saw King Richard, I already know that Andre New will be nominated just due to the power of 
where she gives out different foils towards um, Richard and also the daughters. I, I love seeing Sonata Sydney and Demi Singleton in that film, but like I know that Anjanu would be just because due to the experience that she has more than the, the daughters, but also that I think that she's getting a lot more recognition after when they see his Lovecraft country, as I first remembered seeing her in Undercover Brother. It's been such a long jump to get to where she's at. And then getting to if Beale Street could talk before the other stuff that I mentioned of hers. And Kirsten Dunst, just happy that she's not going to be associated with being Mary Jane and now getting more respected with a lot of independent stuff that she had like in the last couple of years with Sophia Coppola with either the Gald or um, the Virgin Suicides and uh, as well as Eternal Sunshine where yeah I really enjoy the family dynamics that was in Power of the Dog and she should just calm down sometimes in that movie. Yeah it's great to see all these uh Fargo TV show alums getting nominated, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley. <laughs> um, I think that it, I like seeing Jesse Buckley sneak in there, but um, I feel like Dakota Johnson was just as you could have swapped her out and had the same argument. Um, Dagmar uh, Dominchik, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She was also great in that movie in a smaller role. Um, I would another one person I didn't think really had a chance but was getting sort of buzz when the movie came out was in in the heights uh abuela was played by olga marides i thought she was terrific um it's a shame that this sort of the buzz died out really quickly for that movie because i would have loved to see her you know get in there um yeah like i, I said before yeah supporting actors categories this this one might have been the most stacked in my opinion there was there was a lot of great ones Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just that I really sometimes wish that people can be conserved movies when it's released at any point of the year because we have these terms dump month and award season that definitely can die out the buzz with Olga's performance in, uh, in the Heights where she was like a great early one as with Sundance there have been so many great early performances but who knows when will those films be released in theaters or during award season and then they can continue that from their performances in Sundance like John Boyega in A92 or Hanniway Newton's in God's Country. But I can't wait to see where it goes from here. And now with the lead actors, um, best actor Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch, Carl's Dog, Andrew Garfield for Chittick Boom, Will Smith for King Richard, and Denzel Washington for Tragedy of Macbeth. Like, those were all the same five for the SAG Awards. So I'm not that surprised. Yeah. Um, just want to backtrack one second because I forgot to mention Ruth Nega in passing for, yeah. for supporting actress. Um, incredible performance. Really wish she got in there. Um, passing could have snuck in also I think in cinematography but by going back on track yeah actor um, great batch 
we talked about Peter Dinklage already. Would have been nice to see him in there. Nicholas Cajun Pig would have been another great pick. Um, but really can't complain. Um, Javier Bardem and being the Ricardos was sort of a late dark horse coming up. Um, but I like Javier Bardem and pretty much everything he does. So I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah, but I did wish that Clifton Collins could have get, get nominated. Yeah, for Jockey. Like, Jockey had like a late buzz in October, November, when it's seen many at the fall film festivals after its world premiere at Sundance. And Clifton Collins is nominated for the Independent Spirit Award for Best Actor. But it's just that all these people have been leading men before. And this was Clifton's first lead role really where a lot of his films and roles were a lot of his roles were for a supporting cast and in an ensemble as a community like he never really been many leads like he was in Westworld his first film role was Vado's number two in Menace to Society and had been in Brothers with Tobey Maguire and was is in Nightmare Alley so he's just in so many things but He's never stood out until Jockey, and it's unfortunate that he's not nominated. Yeah, I think they could have also probably, um, this was a conversation that was going on with Parasite when it got all the nominations, but no acting nominations, that um, I feel like the Academy can do a better job nominating performances not in English from their international features or just other films. Um, we'll get to it in support in Best Actress with Penelope Cruz. That was a good, I feel like a good nomination, but also it's Penelope Cruz. <laughs> She's just like an icon. Um, so I would have loved to see sort of like Drive My Car sneak in and acting with Hidetoshi Nishijima as the lead performance. I thought he was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As outside of Cruz, the other nominees for Best Actress are Jessica Chastain for Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for Lost Daughter, Nicole Kimmon for Being the Ricardos, and Kirsten, Kristen Stewart for Spencer. It's so hard to... Kristen and Kirsten. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just that like, she was shut out with SAG and BAFTA while Stewart was nominated for Golden Globe. I did not know she was going to make the cut, and she did, and uh, I was, I said it earlier, but I did wish Renat Renat was nominated for Worst Person because she did a great job in being a lead role. It was her first ever lead. She was, she had a small role in um, Oslo, August 31st, where she had one line, but she had to be on set for nine days due to this rotation of the sun in the outdoor mm. scene, and that. There was other great ones like Tessa Thompson of Passing and then uh, with Rachel Ziegler of West Side Story. Yeah, a lot of good. Um, you mentioned with Renata, the first lead performance or just first performances in general, which usually the Academy, they like to award that sometimes, you know, get a, a young person, a nice Oscar nomination or win. Um, so I think Rachel Ziegler was terrific in West Side Story. Alana Haim and Licorice Pizza um, could have easily got in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did wish that Bogus could have campaign and submit Bayoff for Best Actress, but that's another time to go into that rant, but um, Best Director, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, 
Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Giant Makar, Paul Thomas Anderson Licorice Pizza, Jane Campion, Carla Dog, and Spielberg for West Side Story. I, I enjoy seeing some of these films that to get nominated in screenplay or everyone but um, Hamaguchi is trying to card with an acting performance, but it is a great start in just seeing how to push forward some of these nominees that haven't been recognized for mm-hmm. at least four years. So. Yeah, so I I like all the nominees, and you can really only feel sad for Denis Villeneuve, whose film got Best Picture, got 10 nominations, got all the all the craft below the line stuff but he couldn't get a best director one um which like with other categories I really don't know who you knock off maybe Brana um but it's just it's you got to cut it down to five and great to see Hamaguchi get in there um yeah I do also want to mention again with Reynaldo Marcus Green of King Richard I enjoy how he was able to feel more of a family movie instead of just a sports movie, or even if it's either about the dad of the Williams sisters or just the Williams sister itself as that film got a lot of heat with this trailer, like showing the person behind the legends. But it, once you see a movie, really see that it's also about, um, I forgot uh, Ajanu's characters or seen Brandy Price as well as the Williams sisters and the other sisters that are not as known. And uh, I was really bummed out that Renaldo Marcus Green was not nominated. Yeah, I think I think they could have done better, but also I also think this top of this five could have been a lot worse. I was <laughs> waking up uh for to hear the Oscar nominations and a part of me really thought that McKay could have folded out again like he did with Vice and sneak in a best director yeah and now with the best picture nominees West Side Story Power of the Dog Liquor's Pizza King Richard Dune Drive My Car Don't Look Up Coda and Belfast like and Nightmare Alley. We didn't discuss Nightmare Alley. We haven't talked about that at all, yeah. <laughs> because it was just one of the best picture nominees in the technical categories. But I was surprised that it was not nominated for adapted screenplay or even have a Bradley Cooper, Rooney Mara type performance to be recognized. Yeah, really but, surprising that Bradley Cooper never took off really in the campaign for best actor, right? Really, he could have had an easy shoe in if they played their cards right, I think. Yeah, and it's crazy with Nightmare Alley that it's another adaptation of a Tyrone Power movie and that this version is on Hulu and HBO Max due to distribution contract statements that has to be there, but the more the merrier. You don't need to pay for both services to catch that film, but it was just a sneaky film that was really admired by the critics, but not made much to people outside of the, the Academy branches, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just that those films are great. Like you can always mention with 
Worst Person in the World, Green Knight, Tragedy Macbeth, or any film that has got a nomination, a prom nomination outside of Best Picture. But it was, it's always tough to signify 10 movies that resemble the best of a year. And uh, happy to have Drive My Car, where third year in the last four, to have an international film be there after Roma, Parasite, and this. But it's yeah. just that I hope we could see animation films. It's been a while since Toy Story 3 to be nominated. But let me rephrase this. That it's ha there has been no anime feature film since Toy Story three, and I thought this could have been a year for the docs, either with Flea or Summer Soul, where Flea had that energy of uh, finding a home, and with Summer Soul, like I thought it would have been nominated for best editing, but what? The BAFTA gave Summer Soul an editing nomination. But not this is a ceremony. And mm -hmm. also that summer so is just energetic with the music and the personal stories that the artists had before they performed at the Harlem Cultural Music Festival. And I really enjoy the care that Questlove had in uh, making sure that this footage of us at band basement 50 years ago and then someone gave it to Questlove saying that he's the one to make the film even though Questlove didn't believe himself despite within the film sphere being a producer on 40 Years a Prisoner and associate producer on Terrence Nance's An Oversimplification of Her Beauty and now Netflix's Descendant, as well as doing scores, a co-composer for Top 5 with Ludwig Gornson and uh, the Black Power mixtape with the Mums Keith. So I just know that Questlove has an opportunity to show a long-form storyteller outside of music, even if he didn't believe in himself, but also it was a tremendous well done film about memories and letting people know that this is more than just a festival. It was just to avoid protesting or interacting with the police within Harlem's black community. Yeah, very well said. Um, I completely agree. I hope in the coming years we can get in more animated and documentary films it seems like in general the animated get a little bit better they had to get some screenplay now some of like incredibles or inside out but it seems like the academy usually ignores documentary for other categories that aren't feats <laughs> um yeah so. but i know that they will sometimes nominate songs from docs like mm -hmm. the hunting grounds like yeah songs. but in terms of the the craft ones, I feel like they can definitely do better. Yeah, it's not perfect. Like I do enjoy watching every year, even though my love for it has been decreasing every year since being a kid and knowing um, the type of movies that gets recognized, not and 
knowing like who is the intended audience for this. It's just something that I wish that it could be more expansive and let people know, hey, there's this lesser known film from uh, Grasshopper Films or in the Criterion Collection. And here is Drive My Car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think I've like, become less interested at all in the Oscars. It's always fun to see pit movies get nominated, especially when something like Drive My Car or something like Parasite, you know, pops. Um, and they're, they're doing a better job of that, doing that mm -hmm. sort of year after year. Yeah, I can say that I'm more optimistic with international films than animated and documentary films, but it is what it is. And I'm glad that we made it through nearly 70 minutes of just talking about the nominations and recognizing how these films and filmmakers got to where they are. And it's always nice to talk with you, Sean. Yeah, always great to talk to you. <laughs> it was fun to talk. Thanks for having me. Today's concluding thought, the Oscars. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences have been running the most glamorous night in Hollywood since May 16, 1929 with the Academy Awards. It's a significant event that films nominated for any award, even if it's to a recipient that most people have not heard of, will be mentioned in the news. It's listing on 1001 Films Must Watch Before You Die or on a Wikipedia page. Not every movie deserves to be mentioned as an Academy Award winning film, such as Suicide Squad and The Golden Compass. Just because it won an award for being best in its particular expertise of artistry, those are stories that are not well written and executed brilliantly in all of its areas. I first tuned into the Oscars when I was 11 years old. As a preteen, I was disappointed in the end when Tom Hanks announced that the most famous Blue People movie lost to an independent war drama starring Hawkeye and the Falcon. But retrospectively, I have to give props to Catherine Bigelow for getting two birth-themed Marvel superheroes in this movie and that if Avatar won, I think the Oscars would be damn meaningless as it could have been People's Choice Awards 2.0. After each year in ceremony, I became disillusioned and more pessimistic about the Oscars. Eventually, five years later, I understood that most nominated films are not the highest grossing films, and people who do not have the breadth knowledge of films that have been major hits in the festival circuit. I learned over time that many countries had a wave of cinema globally, whether that's a French New Way, Cinema Novo, or New German Cinema. I got to see the brilliance of films that were going against the functions of Hollywood, and it's a damn shame that many of these films can't be nominated due to the fucking one movie per country rule. It narrowed down to what Americans think of world cinema, even with the renaming from best foreign language film to international feature, it still has the same formal characteristics as a predominant non-English film. Therefore, it appeared that a film outside the US with any amount of English could be nominated, such as Lionheart, directed by Genevieve Nagy, one of the top stars of Nollywood. 
It was Nigeria's first ever submission to the Oscars, and it was disqualified as only 10 minutes of the film is in Igbo. However, there is more optimism with international movies displayed in Hollywood. Still, I hope it won't be performative shortly, and that we can consider artists and all actors as such films, instead of the ones who have a successfully established U.S. career and audiences. I spoke earlier of the documentary critiques. In my opinion, it's improving with increased membership in the doc branch. It contains more documentaries to fix the past issues and controversies between the academy and documentary communities such as the screening process and historically nominated documentaries are more educational or subject matter suited for many audiences. Documentaries should be considered in the technical categories too and be recognized for their artistry. After hearing all the critiques I have on the Oscars, some of you are asking in your head why I am still watching this repetitive crap. I do it because I love the monologues and performances before the host controversy and to see how it improves after blowbacks in the nominations process or final nominees and the award presentation order. I also know there will be a viral moment where I want to see this shit live. I critique for the better, but at the same time, I have my views on their handling of things. Don't get me wrong, I still love the Academy Awards in a non-loyal sense. It's like an on-off relationship where I love it for the merit, but we are separate towards types of films and artistry getting recognized. I will always look forward to what will come in the future of cinema. And that's today's concluding thought. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Real Print. This episode's music includes Continuum Mutation, courtesy of Kama, Like Clockwork by Benjamin Kling, courtesy of Epidemic Sounds, and Shimmering by Rafa Orchestra, courtesy of Epidemic Sounds. This episode is co-produced and edited by Anish Katu and Edward Frumpkin. Please check out this episode's notes and links, as well as reviews, award, and seasonal predictions and essays written by yours truly at realprint.org. That is R-E-E-L print.org. This is Edward Frumpkin signing off.